full recovery. So um, let's just pray this morning, shall we? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, uh, we just bring members of our community, uh, Lord, who are, uh, are not well. And Lord, we know that that's not your design and that's not your plan. It's not your purpose for us. And Lord, you've designed our body in such a magnificent way, Lord, that, um, that our bodies um, can heal. But Lord, that's, uh, that's natural. Uh, and uh, Lord, we're just asking for a supernatural touch. And Lord, we're even speaking that right now and commanding that into Phil's body, into Wilma's body this morning, Lord. Lord, that all things that are not as they should be, to be put in their right place, in their right order. Lord, full function and, uh, and those things that uh, are afflicting, Lord, to be gone now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for health and healing that belongs to us because you purchased it for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we're going to worship the Lord this morning. What does that mean to you? <laughs> what does that mean? Worshipping the Lord. It's opening our heart. It's opening our heart to Him. Now, are there are there do people worship in different ways? Yeah. That's fine. People do worship in different ways. Are we sometimes restricted in our worship? Yeah. If you're thinking about somebody around you, beside you, and thinking about what they're thinking about, what you're thinking of doing in worship, <laughs> if you can follow that, then you're being restricted in your worship. And that's not how God would have it to be. When our focus is solely on him, when our focus is him and he speaks to you or he, he, he gives you an impression of, of, of something to do in worship that is an act of worship under him and you're obedient to it, then that's just a, that's just a free flow backwards and forwards our worship to him and his input into us. And that will allow him to change, to develop, to grow us and for us to become what he's designed us to be. He has a plan for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us, he has a plan. Each and every one of us, he has something that he wants us to carry because that's what he's given us. And as we open our hearts in worship, that's, 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 there, are, there are different elements, but boy, this is a big one because it's, it's a bit like open heart surgery that God can do when we open ourselves to him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So let's... Uh, Let's stand and we're going to worship this morning. Hallelujah. There are the four winds caught up in the heavenly sound. 
Let praises echo from the towers of cathedrals to the faithful gather underground. Of all the songs sung from the dawn of creation, you know some were meant to possess. Of all the bells rung from a thousand steeples, you know none rings truer.
about we just come up a couple of seats? Can we do that? Yeah, look at that. That'd be nice. Ha <laughs> ha, go on your back. Hey, look at that. Back seat to front seat. Nice. That's a little bit more intimate. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Those um, songs we were singing this morning, they had a bit of a theme, I think. (laughs) The holiness of God. (laughs) Ah. You know, as we get a glimpse of the holiness of God. (laughs) Amen, Chris. (laughs) Amen. And what's in the holiness of God? It's it's his perfection. It's and 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 what what is that? It's it's all joy. Complete joy. It's the beauty of perfection. <laughs> and um in a broken world that's a little bit hard to get a full grasp on. And it can only come as God reveals it to us as we open his, our heart to him. The beauty of his perfection. And what that will do, <laughs> that will engender such a, a reverence for who God is. Such a holy reverence for who he is. And where we stand before him, that that will change. That will change us. And uh, I want to read um, a passage out of of Luke chapter 7. So I'll just jump into that. Luke chapter 7, I'm going to start in verse 36. Afterward, a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation. When he went to Simon's home, he took his place at the table. This is Luke 7 verse 36, 37. In the neighbourhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, filled it with the most <coughs> excuse me, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader, and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. <laughs> That's putting yourself out there. <laughs> That's putting yourself out there. If she had have been concerned what anybody would have thought, she would not have done what she did. 
and knowing the 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 times that that were were this is, is speaking at the time that this was there were it was a it was a social structure the jewish religious leaders were right up here and this lady was not right up here <laughs> but she went right in broken and weeping She covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept, she kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. There's always a response to an act of worship and sometimes it's not good. (laughs) When Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he really were a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. (laughs) Oh dear. Don't ever go after religion. Religion will dry you up. It's not of God. Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. (laughs) Go ahead, teacher, I want to hear it, he answered. It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000 and the other only owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker generously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. Tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful? Which one would love the banker most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right, Jesus answered. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She was doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as your guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why... She has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, All your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said amongst themselves, Who is the one who can forgive, even forgive even forgive sins. 
Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the way of peace. You know, that's a message to each and every one of us because we, in our, in our natural life, we look at the things in the world and we categorise, don't we? We say, bad sin. Oh, white lie. <laughs> we categorise. We, and, you know, there, there is much evil in the world, certainly. But when we consider the holiness of God, no one, no one, stands worthy before him in their humanity, in their self. No one. (laughs) I like that line. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. You know, as we open our hearts to the Lord, he shows us his holiness and as he shows us his holiness, we get, a, we get an understanding of where we stand and, and that we need his forgiveness. And as we do, as we do, and this is what the message was to, the, to that lady, you may now, you, now you may leave and walk in the way of peace. So as I recognize the forgiveness that he has given to me that Jesus through Jesus the forgiveness that I have received through Jesus my worship in all its forms will go to the next level and you know we, we get that picture in heaven of the of the angels coming around the throne and they come around to the front and then they all fall on their face because they recognize more of the holiness of God. They get a new insight. So faith leads to life, leads to peace. And that peace, um, if you look up that word in the definition, it says prosperity. Now, that's not only finance, but it includes finance. Every area of our life. Peace. As an act of worship, we give. That's why we give. And if it's not an act of worship, don't. <laughs> Simple. It is an act of worship. Our, our, our singing before God and, and opening our heart before is an act of worship. Our giving is an act of worship. The things that we do for God are an act of worship as he leads us to do those things. It's an act of worship. So... As an act of worship, we give. Does God need our money? Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish. We got that message last week. He sent Peter to get their temple tax from the mouth of the first fish that he caught. You can do stuff like that. Do you need money? If you can get if you can do the miraculous why would you bother with the natural Let's keep reading 
chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a ministry tour throughout the country, visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. His 12 disciples travelled with him and also a number of women who had been healed of many illnesses under his ministry and set free from demonic power. Jesus had cast out seven demons from one woman. Her name was Mary Magdalene, for she came from the village of Magdala. Among the women were Susanna and Joanna, the wife of Cusha, who managed King Herod's household. Many other women who supported Jesus' ministry from their own personal finances also travelled with him. The one that did these miracles had people financially supporting the ministry. (laughs) It's worship. These people were giving as an act of worship. It is worship. When the natural act is mixed with faith, it gives access to the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing in giving. We're tapping into what God says is available. Does he need it? No, not in the natural. No. No. But there is a purpose, there is a process, and there is something that he has each time we are generous in whatever form that is. If it's an offering in church, if it's, if it's somebody on the street. As God leads us and we are obedient to what he says in what we do in this area and in every other area, then we open an access into the spiritual and that's unlimited. <laughs> that is unlimited. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm very, I'm very pleased I got through that. Um, that uh, there's, a, there's a couple of passages in Scripture that I just struggle with. And, because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As we continue to understand the magnitude of the gulf between us as our, and in our natural self, and what he did to come and rescue us. <laughs> we just fall more in love. And as we fall more in love, we become more obedient to what he calls us to do. We become more effective and we become his hands and feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So if you are giving... There is a post box up on the back there and, of course, there are details online if, uh, if the electronic form is, is your method. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
Lord, we just we just thank you for your presence. Lord, we have such a a need for more of you. Lord, would you help us to recognise how much we need you? Lord, that we would be so dependent upon you that you will be the one that we turn to first, that we would give you first place in our lives so that you can then flood our hearts, Lord, with your presence, with your holiness, with your goodness, that, Lord, we can have a greater understanding of that love you have for each one of us so that we can walk in your presence, to live in your presence, to be a people of your presence, Lord, to know what it is to be walking with you, to have the spirit of holiness in and through us. Lord, that we can be what you've called us to be by the power of your indwelling spirit. We thank you, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. You know, the, the, more we, um, the more we love him, the more we understand the love he has for us. Sometimes we don't understand the depth of the love that he has for us, but if we just focus on him, we'll get a revelation of how much he loves us. If you knew, if you understood, if you really had the, the quickening in your spirit of how much Jesus loves you, you, you would just want to spend so much time with him. And the more time you spend with him, the more you fall in love with him, the more you're in love with him, the more you realise how much he loves you. And I'll tell you, it's a love cycle that's just un unimaginable. That's what Paul talks about at this. You can't imagine how much he's got for you but if we, if we don't, don't recognise what he's done for us and acknowledge how much we need him, then we're never going to step into those realms of the spirit where we experience the supernatural supply. And we need a supernatural supply because we're a spiritual people. We're a spiritual being. We mightn't feel spiritual, we might feel very, very natural, but if we begin to understand that love, then we'll get our priorities right. I don't want to get to heaven and have Jesus say to me, you had your priorities wrong. That's why you never found out what I had for you. I don't want to be so stubborn and hard-hearted that I have to be taken back to preschool when I get to heaven to learn the basics. I wonder if there's a kindergarten in heaven. You didn't learn it down there, so now you've got to go to kindergarten in heaven. How would that be? I'm sure it would be a great kindergarten, but, you know, I... I, 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 I oh, my goodness, I... I um, I, I, I just I felt like this morning in worship. Now, if you, if, you, if you can't 
understand the, the, the passion I have for worship, then just keep presenting yourself to God and say, Lord, I want to know that, that passion of worship. I want to know that experience of just being next to you and, and loving you. There are realms for us to experience that God wants to bring us into, but we can't handle it unless we do what we're supposed to do with what he's already given us and done for us. Because there's an outworking, or there's an, it's, it's a, really it's an inside job, but there's an outworking of what's inside and if we don't allow what's inside to be outworked, God can't give us any more because we'll just, we can't handle it. We say we want more of God. This morning in worship, I was just saying, Lord, I just want so much more of you. I just want you more, more, more and more. Just come, come and fill this house. But what would happen if he did? Could you handle it? Could you handle a greater weighty presence of the glory of God? There is, there is a weightiness to the presence of God. <sighs> That's why you've got to exercise your faith. You've got to do a bit of weightlifting to get, get a little bit of that strength of God operating. You need to exercise your faith. You need to start just believing God. And God, someone's going to put you in a situation and that's all you can do. And then you'll find out how much he loves you because he allowed you to come into a situation where you were so dependent on him, you found out what his love was like. But wouldn't it be better not to have to go through some of these experiences that are pretty tough sometimes so that we get humbled to get on our face before God and say, help me, Lord. The scripture, I've got a few actually buzzing around, but the scripture says in, in John 14, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Some people are trying so hard to be good. No, it's loving him that enables us to be good and let that good come out of us. Yeah. See, he said, uh, loving me empowers you to obey my word. See, it's a matter of getting our priorities right. Love him and then the other things will all fall into place. But if our love relationship with him is not right, if it's not working the way it should, then we'll be trying in our religious duty to please God, to be good. Try, I'm trying so hard. Lord, do, do you appreciate how much I'm doing to try and no, just love Jesus and everything else will fall into place. That's the quickest way to grow up is to love Jesus. And he is the word made flesh. So if you truly love him, you'll be in his word. How can you say you love him if you don't love his word? If you don't want to be in his word, you don't want to spend time in his word. Loving him empowers us to keep his word. Oh, Lord, that seems impossible. Well, love me. Let me show you how easy it is to walk in the love of I want to read a couple of verses uh, out of 1 Peter, um, um, Passion Translation. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 22. It's speaking about love and purity here. 
It says, now because of your obedience to the truth, and how do you obey the truth? By loving Jesus. See, that love will move you into the realms of obedience. Because I love him so much, I don't want to do anything that would offend him. See, I love my wife, so I don't want to do things to hurt her because I love her. And that love will motivate me to spend time with her. I love being with her. She's my best friend on this planet next to Jesus. But I won't spend any more time talking about my wife because she doesn't like me doing that. But I can Well, I'll get into trouble. Now, because of your obedience to the truth, you've purified your very souls, your mind, your will, your emotions. It's all getting purified because you love him. How did that happen? Because my love caused me to be in the word and the word does a washing and purifying and that love causes me to be purifying the very thoughts that are going on in my head. And this empowers you to be full of love for your fellow following believers. See, that love empowers you. Here it is again in Peter. To be full of love for your fellow believers. So express this sincere love toward one another passionately and with a pure heart. Well, how's the heart pure? Because you've obeyed the truth. And why did you obey the truth? Because you love him. It's not hard. For through the eternal and living word of God... You have been born again. And this seed, what's the born again experience? It says here, it's a seed that comes into your heart. The seed of the Father. The seed of the Word of God. We have been born again of the Father. And that seed that has the full potential... of what it came from. It's all in the seed. How important is it to guard the seed, to watch over the seed, to water the word, water, water, more of the water of the word on the seed, more of the word of God. You've been born again and that seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside you forever. For human beings are frail and temporary like grass. When we can honestly come before the Lord in reverential fear and acknowledge our frailty, and humble ourselves before him, we're going to begin to understand 
the ways and purposes of God. And their glory of man is just fleeting, like blossoms on the field. The grass dries and withers, and the flowers fall off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was announced to you. And then he speaks about growing in holiness. So abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy and slander. Well, I'm trying so hard to do the right thing. Just love Jesus. And the love will empower you to do the right thing. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life, especially now that you've had a taste of the goodness of the Lord Jehovah and have experienced his kindness. So keep coming to him. Sometimes... As Christians, we think that we are growing up, we think we're mature, and we read scriptures like the ones Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and when he says, You've come to need milk and not solid food. Now, you don't give a baby solid food. Sometimes as Christians, we think, well, I've been around so long, I don't need the milk. I'm more mature now. But the Bible says to desire the sincere, pure milk of the word. We never leave the foundation of the milk. We need that milk word to establish a foundation to grow thereby. The milk is easy to digest. Strong meat is for those who are mature and grown up in God. They've developed their spiritual senses, but we never leave the milk. What do we do as adults? We still have the milk. We just add coffee to it. But we still have the milk. True? That milk of the word, that pure milk of the word, that's the thing that has, has been given to us at our birth to cause us to grow up on the correct, on the strong foundation that God has placed in our heart. The milk is the fundamental things, the fundamental truths But we never leave it. We just add more to it. We always need to remember that that milk 
is still incorporated in the Word. You never leave your foundation. You need the milk. I was uh, texting Caleb during the week on Friday, I think it was, it might have been yesterday, and um, he's not here this morning, but I asked him if he could just focus in on Sunday a little bit and see what God was saying to him. And it's, it's easy to do that because there's no time in the Spirit. These are things that we're going to understand more as time goes on. We're going to understand more of the realms of the Spirit of God. God's going to start to reveal. We're going to be able to see things that others can't see. We're going to hear things. You may already be hearing things that others don't hear. How is it? Oh, we're just so spiritual. <laughs> no, it's the grace and the mercy of God enlightening our understanding. And that's what Paul prayed. I pray that the understanding of your hearts would open up, that God would give you an increase of understanding so that you begin to perceive the realms of the Spirit. See, we're a spiritual being. And I said to Caleb, just um, give your attention to it, if you would, and let me know what God's saying to you. He said the first thing that came to him was a word, name. He said he felt it was God's name, so he asked him, which one? See, the names of God cover who God is, El Shaddai. Was one of the names. After looking it up, he said, I found it in the Hebrew, it means God Almighty, more accurately, God Provider or Source. And He is the source of everything. If God is the one that you are prioritizing in everything you do, then everything in your life will have a God connection. When we understand the scriptures, how it talks about the ways God speaks to men, often, 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 so many times, if you look in the scripture, he speaks through dreams and visions and his word and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you might even have an angel show up. Sometimes we recognize them, sometimes we don't. He said, I saw a picture of a great pouring out of milk within the church building. Now, I wasn't planning on any of those scriptures that I read this morning. That was just while I was sitting there, God showed me those verses to read. And this is what Caleb said he saw. I saw this great milk pouring out within the church building like it's coming from a big bucket. I bet God's got some big buckets full of things for us. And he said, I have a sense that God wants to do is provide nourishment and rejuvenation for people. See, the nourishment is what will cause people to grow. The scripture speaks about when we're born again as newborn babes to desire that sincere, pure milk of the world that you grow thereby. 
God wants us to grow up in the things of the Spirit where our eyes are illuminated to what's going on around us so that we're not deceived by the devices of the enemy. Because he's pulled out all stops at the moment, in case you haven't noticed. And we need to recognise what's of God and what's not. And not have a blurred line between what's good and what's evil. Because the scripture talks about in the last days people calling evil good and good evil. And I've seen that happening out there right now. So how much is the enemy trying to dull down the spiritual senses of the church so they're absolutely clueless? The lines are so blurred that they'll accept anything. I'll even accept a rainbow that's got six colours instead of seven. But we don't need to get into that this morning, do we? Or do we? You'll see there's been a rainbow promoted out there. It's only got six colours in it. God's rainbow's got seven. That's complete. We're not going there. We'll leave it alone for this morning. But just be aware of what's going on. The enemy's trying to counterfeit everything of God. And God gave us a rainbow as a sign. And the enemy's trying to bring a distorted sign. Looks like it's pretty. Looks like it's hard. Looks like it's even maybe something that God would be pleased with. Watch out. A picture pouring out this milk and God wants to provide this nourishment and rejuvenation. So I looked up the word rejuvenation and it means to make young again. God wants to restore your strength. There are scriptures about waiting on the Lord and renewing your strength. You spend time in the scriptures, you're going to renew your strength to make young again, restore to youthful vigour. God's going to do a work in you that's going to be a restorative work that's going to renew the youth of the church and the hunger for the milk of the word and then God's going to add his coffee to it. And you'll get the best drink from your father you've ever had. Do you understand the 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 possibility of what can happen in a church that's hungry for God. It also means to restore the former state, to make fresh and new again. So maybe God's doing a work in the house right now, making new again, getting the hunger for the sincere, pure milk of the word so there's nothing else but the purity of God in the house and then God's going to add to the house and there's going to be a supply of milk in the house for all the young babes that are coming into the house of God and there'll be a strong word for those who are growing up in God and God is preparing you and I right now for the work that he's going to do in this house. Are you willing to allow God to produce 
produce in you what he desires, what he's destined for you, what he's planned for you? Are you willing to love Jesus enough to let him do what he's promised to do? Let's go to Ephesians for a moment. Ephesians chapter 2. I read some of these verses the last time I spoke. Repetition's good. But I want to go back a little bit further because it's what's been coming out this morning. Ephesians 2, verse 18. Sorry, Ephesians 1. I'll go into verse 18 at the moment, then I'll go into chapter 2 in a minute. Paul's saying in verse 18, Ephesians 1, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honour and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age but in the age that's coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. If you heard last week our visiting speaker When he began to speak, he was saying how because of the presence of God in the place, he thought he was going to really have difficulty speaking. Great. I pray it gets to the point where every person is flat on their face because of the presence of God and the priests are unable to minister because of the presence of God. And I believe it's coming. But how hungry are we for that? Not everybody wants it. But Jesus was the subject of our visiting speaker last week where he said, without Jesus, you have nothing. And here it is right here. He's everything needed in the church. And God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we see his church 
the body on earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. And his fullness fills you. In other words, there's a real flowing together there between the head and the body. He's filling us, but we're complimenting him. What's a head without a body? It wasn't that long ago, it says, that you lived in the religion, the customs, the values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth. So if the enemy sees a Christian who is disobedient to the truth, he's able by that disobedience to legally influence what's going on in that person's life because they have not prioritised Jesus and they're not walking in the truth they have to whom much is given, much is required. Once you know the truth, you're required to walk in that truth. The Amplified Bible on uh, these verses says, And you he made alive when you were dead, slain in your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and fashion of this world under the sway of the tendency of this present age following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of a demon spirit that still consistently works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, the unbelieving, who were going against the purposes of God. I'd written something down in relation to these verses and I'd forgotten I had it, but I just noticed it yesterday. So I wrote it down here. It says, these are my words. When we're born again, we're actually a blank canvas. Do you remember when I was speaking a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about a dream that God gave me where I was painting and it was a large picture and I haven't got time for all the details on that but we're actually a picture in the process and we're actually painting the image of our soul if you like by the decisions we're making. God told me that this this image, this painting was an original reproduction and that's an oxymoron. But you are an original, but you are a reproduction of God, of Jesus Christ. 
He's reproducing Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's releasing a little of that glory as experiential knowledge to cause you to be hungry for more. So if you are a blank canvas, what's being painted on the soul of your canvas, the heart, your mind, your will and your emotions? So when we're born, we're a blank canvas. The customs of this world are painted on our soul. The way we think. Why do we think the way we think? At what age did we start taking note of what was being told to us to form opinions about things? Do the opinions that we have line up with the Word of God? Or are they opinions of the ruler of this world who is a demon spirit who's trying to influence you to think something different to what's in the Word of God? Have you been programmed by the world? You know that box that sits in the screen's getting bigger in the corner of your room? That screen's getting bigger. It started out, it was just a little fella. But look how big the screen's getting now. Is it influencing you more? Is it telling you a vision? Have you been programmed by a television? Who's behind that vision? You want to be very, very, very careful what you listen to on the TV. You've heard of the expression grain of salt? Something's pulling me in that direction a bit this morning. Mm. Be very, very careful about opinions that don't line up with the Word of God. Because this is not an opinion. It's the Word of God. It is the truth. Everything else is an opinion based on a thought. And where did that thought come from? The customs of this world are painted on our soul. They are the course designed by the dark ruler of this world to desensitize our soul to the ways of God. This is what I'd written down and I'd forgotten about it. And the authority of secular governments under the influence of that dark ruler are implementing a course designed to lead us away from God's plan. We were created a spiritual person with a soul and given a body to live in. A spiritual person with a soul and given a body to live in. Hebrews 10.5 says, Therefore, when he came into the world, this is Jesus, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Do you know God prepared a body for you? You mightn't like the body that he's given you. But God prepared a body for you. Your body is your responsibility. 
He's prepared a body for you. So you are more than what you see in the mirror. You're more than a flesh and bone person. You have prepared a body for me. And then he says, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book, it's written about me, to do your will. This is what Jesus said, you've prepared a body for me. First the natural, then the spiritual. Who's the body of Christ now? God is preparing a body for him right now. You have prepared a body for me. He's the head of the church. He's everything the body needs. But God has prepared a body for the head of the church. You and I are part of the body of Christ and we are just as important to the head as the head is to the body. We need to recognise the role we have in supplying I should read it to you out of um, the Passion Translation. Ten verse five. Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you've clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, O God, I will be the one. I will go and do your will to fulfill what is written of me in the word. So he did that for us. And now he is the head. I suppose I should hang on to that one. Might need it. He's the head of the body. And the body is being prepared right now to experience the thoughts of the head. We want to recognise we are the body, he is the head, and we need to be connected to the thoughts that are coming from him. The word of God are the thoughts of the head of the church. In the book, it is written of him. All through the scriptures, all the types and shadows, all speaking about Christ and his church. I haven't got time to get into what I wanted to get into this morning. That was just a little intro. Now we get to chapter one. I started reading a book last night and I read several, 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 several pages and that was just the intro. Then I'm up to chapter one now, so I have to leave it. We're at the beginning of chapter one, but I can't go on. Look at the time. Haven't had communion. We need to have communion. We need to have that fellowship of remembering what he's done for us. But I want to tell you about something. He's the head of the body. The body is called the church. And what is, what is the church referred to as? She. 
to all these blokes when our she in the church, but don't let it go any further than that. (laughs) So his body is referred to as she. Why? Why is the church referred to as she? Because the Father has prepared a body for his son. She has the seed and from that seed is coming a manifestation of the many, many sons of God. This is what the church is going to produce. And I think that's why she's called a she, because she's going to produce something that the world is going to see. We are connected with the head. The seed that has been placed. You remember, you remember when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she said, let it be unto me according to your word. And the Holy Spirit put the seed of the Father, Jesus, in a woman. Well, now he's put the seed, the word, into the church and she is going to be connected with the head and produce something this earth is getting ready to see and it's going to be a mighty manifestation of the sons of God in the earth. But that's another story. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to cause such a hunger to come in the hearts of your people that we will have such a craving for your word that we'll actually have hunger pains, Lord, that we'll be so hungry for you that you'll cause us to recognise we need more of you. Lord, increase our hunger, increase our desire, increase our passion for your word so that you can water that seed to produce that which is well-pleasing unto you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. We're going to have communion. See, he, he's preparing a body. A body the Father has prepared for him. See, when you recognise the types and shadows, first the natural, then the spiritual, you recognise that he took everything upon his body so that his bride could be a perfect body. Perfect in every way. He is not coming back for a worn out, broken down, bruised body. The church is not going to be busted, broke, going up in smoke. 
The church is going to be the mightiest force upon this earth, filled with the presence and power of God. But when we recognise he is everything that we ever need and recognise that by his stripes, the bruises that he took on his back, the Bible says that produced our healing. So our healing is not something God's still thinking about doing. It's done. And faith is the only thing that we need to exercise to allow that rejuvenation, that restoration. I'd like to stand. Jesus, we thank you that you took everything upon your physical body so that we could be a new body representing you. Father, I'm asking you to do a new work in the house, that there be that restoration, that renewing, that quickening of our physical body, everything paid for and received by faith. So Lord, we thank you and we remember with a grateful heart Thank you, Lord. Let's eat. And the cup of blessing, it represents the new covenant. And we are the new covenant people. God's made a covenant with you. God has made a covenant, a promise. And this is to remind us of what the blood represents, the covenant of what God has done for each one of us. Let's drink it with a thankful heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. You may be seated. Um, we've just uh, got some notices to finish this morning. Um, now our weekly, our usual weekly, uh, tomorrow morning this place erupts with little children at, uh, at 9.30, which is a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, so play group 
9.30, there's, uh, there's coffee in the morning, actually, the, for parents. So if you get here a bit earlier, um, you'll get one of those milk things with the coffee, <laughs> coffee in it. Um, so play group. Um, on, uh, uh, this is the usual um, things through the week. Wednesday is our prayer meeting, um, starting at 7.30 down here. And um, Thursday evening, 7.30, is men's group, and that'll be at Peter and Rhoda's place. So um, that will be all good. Um, but we've got a, a, a special thing starting um, Thursday as well for the ladies, and Chantal's going to... Are you gonna? Are you gonna come and talk about it? Yeah, of course you are. I, well, I've got, I've got it, I've got it. That says it there. <laughs> yep, cool. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah. So, as a women's ministry, we have branched out and started every second Thursday mornings. That is also the same Thursday that the men's group lands on. Uh, we're doing 9.30 here, roughly 9.30, just depending on scheduling, um, for about an hour or so, and then some company spent, you know, time together afterwards. Um, so, yeah, if you can make it, there's no criteria other than being female, so come along. Um, and, yeah, hang out together, and we'll follow along with the James book, the study that we're doing by Joyce Meyer. So that'll correspond along with the Tuesday nights. So, yeah. So you won't miss anything. Very good. Thank you, Shanta. Now, you may have noticed on your way in this morning that there is a whole bunch of food sitting on um, tables out there. Uh, now, there's a um, w w we had a lot of that food out in the back of the Will William Room, as, um, as you may remember, and that was available for access um, to anybody um, in the church. Um, now there's um, a program, it's a food share program, what's it called Kyle? Food share, yeah, um, that a number of churches are involved in um, and that's going to happen in a couple of weeks. Um, but so we thought that would be a, a good use of um, what we have out there. So it's sitting out there at the moment. If on your way out there is anything that, um, that you need, you would like to take, please do that. Um, on your um, on your exit today, um, and what is um, what's not taken there will um, will be uh, donated to um, that food share program. Um, so that's all good. Have I covered everything? Um, yes, Mel. Good morning. Um, next Friday afternoon at uh, 4.30 here, um, we're going to be baptising some of our youth kids. So we've had some people make decisions in the last little bit that we've been discipling and they're asking to get baptised, so we're doing that. Um, we are extending an invite to any church family who want to come. So um, please don't rock up at 3 o'clock when school finishes, but if you want to come and watch baptisms, rock up at 4.30. Um, we will have a short time in here together and we're actually going to be baptising in the William Room um, just because it's the easiest option for filling a tank. So um, we will either jam people in there or we'll open the windows 
but you will be able to be in that space and we would really love it if you could be. So that's Friday. If you're not here at 4.30, just be praying for us. That would be amazing. Thank you, Mel. And there is one more. Lachlan, would you like to come over? Sammy, do we have a slide with the T-shirt? Look at that. Look at that. Lockie's going to have a, a quick chat about the, the um, T-shirts. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, so we've decided to um, produce a men's T-shirt. Um, that's it up there. Um, just keep turning up is the logo th- uh, sign on it. So I just wanted to, if you see people getting around with it o- on them, I just wanted to explain what it actually means. It's not just something out of the sky. It really does have a meaning. And um, how how I came about this, I, I was thinking about it, and it sort of, um, uh, and that's what came to me. And then I got a message from Bethel Church in America, and uh, lo and behold, it was that exa- that exa- same message they they were talking about. Now, how that applies is. Um, our yoke is easy, our burden is light uh, as, as we walk out the Christian walk. And when the, uh, how that plays out is when we give our over to God what is God's and then when we take on what is ours, um, that's how it plays out. So after that, it becomes... Just keep turning up. So I was extremely encouraged. Um, that was the message that I was receiving from God. And lo and behold, a message came on my phone from uh, a revival church in America. So if you see the boys walking around with just keep turning up, that's what they're saying. We've handed over to God what is God's. We've taken on what is ours. Now we are just turning up. And with the crown above the P, that's important as well, that came in the message as well. My download came exactly the same and the P is partnering with God. We're now partnering. As Jeff was saying this morning, we can partner with all sorts of things. But we want to partner with God. And just on on the closed side of things, Jeff, could you just stand up uh, for a minute? Um, just come out here. Um, we there was no text messages or anything like that. Um, Jeff didn't text me like he texted Caleb and said, "Can you?" But this is this is just what happened. So I, I just thought Jeff was has fantastic taste. Yeah, God, God, God bless you. <laughs> Okay. Um, now, there's a, a minimum order that, that we, we're going to put in for the um, shirts. Um, they are $25 each. Next Sunday, we're going to push that order out. Um, and they, the shirts can be ordered um, via the coffee cart on the square. Um, so Mel's on top of, on top of that. Uh, so all you'll need is... Um, an idea of your size, all right, and um, um, and that's yeah, that's as simple as that.
So I'm a medium, okay? All right, so <laughs> I don't know if you can gauge anything from that, but <laughs> so if you <laughs> if you've got yeah yeah if you've got an understanding of your size, that's um, that's all good. All right, um, I think that's it. So, Lord bless you all. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, and we shall see you again. Amen. I can see